Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Great to see you guys this morning. Everybody watching online, those that are in their tree stands listening live. It is the opening day today. Can I get a woohoo? Come on. So I'm excited to be here. Um, we really are. Why do you laugh? I love that, I love that they laugh <laughs> because you literally just talked about hunting all this passion that I'm excited to be here. He really is excited to be here. But I it wouldn't was be funny. here if I wasn't. There was so, I mean, you know, we moved to the country a year ago, and so now we have to pass this morning. I don't know how many vehicles we passed, just parked by the side. I'm like, oh, Samuel loves Jesus. <laughs> I do, I do. Oh, come on. And I'm super excited about this week. Now, next week is baptisms. So let me just say, if you have not been baptized since you believed, the next week is for you, and the next step is you get baptized. Jesus told his disciples, he said, go out into the world, he said, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's like, step one, you're going to hear the word. Step two, you're going to receive the word. Step three, you're going to get baptized. Like, that is it. So if you've not been baptized since you believed. Even if you say, you know what, you know, when, when I was a child, when I was a kid, you know, my parents, uh, they did something. What we, what we believe in and what I see in Scripture is what I would refer to as a believer's baptism, which means step three does not, become, does not come before step one. You make that decision, and then you get baptized. And I believe it's a, a wonderful thing that a parent would have said, man, I want to dedicate, and, and by doing this, I want to honor, I want to do everything that I know to do to help raise my child to honor God. And I don't think it shames that in any way, but to follow what the Bible says is a believer's baptism. So if you've not been baptized since you believed, then now it's your turn, and next week is your day, and we'd love it. We'd absolutely love it to baptize you. Come on next Sunday. So you can jump online, sign up so that we can just kind of uh, figure out some time. And that website, of course, is lifewest.church. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're hopping into Ephesians 5 today. And Samuel, let me hop up here with him. So lots of hopping. I can't do it here, so I'm doing it with my words, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians 5.1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You know, when I see imitate, I don't even know, do we have the other picture? Yeah. No. Uh, we have a picture. Okay. We just wanted to include this because that's cute. Uh, there's a picture of when, oh, no, not that one. It's, it's a picture of, of Hunter. There we there go. There we go. <laughs> so this is years ago when we had Hunter in nursery. We went in to pick him up. And what does he see his dad do? He sees, he sees his dad fix the car. And so this is him imitating his dad, even though we all know very well that he isn't going to find anything to fix under there. <laughs> but when I think of imitate, when I think of the word imitate, what I ask is I ask three different questions. I ask where, I ask what, and I ask how. And now how those relate is like this. Where do I see God as he really is? And we can answer that easily because he says that he's seen in creation. 
The word tells us he's seen in creation. He's seen in the law, right? He's seen in the personhood of Jesus. And so when we want to know where it is that God reveals himself, we look at those things. And then when it comes to what it is that we're supposed to imitate, we can't imitate his omnipotence right? We can't be everywhere at once. We can't know everything at once, but we can imitate what Jesus did. We can watch how Jesus walked and we can do that. And then the last thing is how, how am I to imitate? And this one, it says right in the scripture, it says that we are to imitate as his dear children, as his beloved children. That is how we are supposed to imitate. And you imitate what you're around. It's what you're around. If you're not around it, you're not going to see it. You can't imitate something that you've never seen. You cannot do it. So you need to be around. So let me just encourage you with that daily time that you spend. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're listening is so good. But it's a piece of the puzzle. And so that's why we daily we're in God's word so that we can imitate, so that it's in us. He saw me doing, working on the cart. and was one of those projects where you're like, it's not going to take that long. Like every time I get into the car, I've just, I've, I've just, Mex, like, how long is it going to take? I'm like, I don't know. I've stopped giving it a time because that's just what working on a car is. is you get under, you're like, all I have to do is fix this, but then something breaks and you got to fix what you broke to fix what you want to fix. And you're just like, he sees the time I'm spending under the car, way more than I wanted to, and he's like, okay. We imitate what we see. If you're like, man, I don't imitate, that's something I'm not doing, then I would tell you, spend time in the Word, spend time with God, bring that daily part in, and begin to imitate. Yeah, you know, the Word tells us that we, as believers, as soon as you're a believer, whether or not you want to imitate God, you are now walking as an ambassador for Christ, as though Christ is making his appeal through us, which means when you go to the grocery store and you walk away, or when you go to a restaurant and you pay the waitress and you walk away, what they can say about us is, oh, so that's what their God is like. And so we are imitating and going forth and representing God in the world. Now, as we do that, as we imitate, here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave some things behind. Because if we're imitating God, then there's some things that we're not doing. And so that's where we're going to go. Now, Proverbs 14 says this. It says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Anybody ever make a wrong decision before? Anybody buy a car and then regret it later? Like, come on, come on. Anybody buy a house and then regret it later? Like, you buy that boat and you're like, oh, no, what am I thinking? Okay, if you've ever made a mistake, then you know that this is true. Where you think this is going to be a good idea, and then, and then it's not. It's not a good idea. And so really, this is just this, this plain and simple that God's like, look, there's some things you're going to leave behind, and let me show you what they are. So Ephesians 5, verse 3. So let there be no, this is what we're leaving behind, leave behind any sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. So if you're like, well, what, what do we mean sexual immorality? Well, thank you for asking. Okay, so this word sexual morality is really this word pornea. And you could probably guess kind of the root word of it and kind of how it fits into English, which would be pornographic pornography, 
Um, and so really that, that definition when it says, let there be no sexual immorality, here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. It's this, the selling off or the surrendering of sexual purity or promiscuity. Promiscuity. Thank you. What she said, <laughs> of any kind. It's like, it doesn't belong there. Now, now here, hold on, hold on, hon. Here's what I want you to hear in this. Realize that God created your body. God created man and woman, and God created woman for man and man for woman together. Like, God created sex. He's the one. He wasn't like, oh, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) He created sex. Now, it's about to get cool. It's getting cooler, right? The temperature's getting low, and I'm excited for fires. Like this time of year, it's fires, fireplace, wood stove, kind of romantic. Like a, a fire in a, in a fireplace, absolutely. It's very romantic. Oh, come on. You know what's not romantic? A fire in the living room, in the middle of the living room. That's a little bit less romantic, isn't it? Because that's not where it belongs. Is it still putting out heat? Oh, yeah. But it's burning some things that it's not supposed to burn. And the fuel that's firing this thing, it's not supposed to be happening. I was trying to think how I could do it here and how I could do something that smelled like lighter fluid and like put some wood on the stove and put lighter fluid on it. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get away with it. I just couldn't put it together. But I'm like, I would have just, I was like, ah, some people probably get up and leave. I'm like, could I do it and then like light something, but not have that light on fire? Yeah, I didn't go there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I, when I look at this scripture and it says, it lists these things that we're not supposed to have. It says, let these things have no place among God's people. And when I was reading through this, I was thinking about my house, right? There is a, a quote, many of you women probably know it, some of you men too. Um, William Morris, have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. And when I read this, I think, you know, there are things, if I, if I walk into my house, with something, the number one thing I want to find for that, for that thing is a place, right? If I don't have a place for something to go, then that thing is gone. And so when it comes to these sins, it's not saying that they will never enter your home. But it's saying you do not make a place for it. You don't reorganize your life to excuse and have a place for these sins. You have it, if it comes in, you just immediately take it right back out. Do not create a place for it. God created it, but he made a place for it, and that is marriage. And when you partake of that outside of marriage, it's still there, but you're burning your own house down. It is not how God, God designed it and said it is good. It is the best, but this is where it belongs. This is where it belongs. So it's not a don't partake in any of this. It's like don't ever have sex. It's like, no, save it for where it's meant to be. It's going to be great over here. It's not nasty. It's not gross. God's like, no, it's great. I made it. Save it over here. I feel like we need to shift away from telling young people it's gross, it's nasty, save it till you get married. And be like, no, it's great, it's awesome, it's awesome where God created it to be, you just are going to wait. And the more you save, the more you're going to have, the better it's going to be, so wait, because it's going to be awesome. He's like, so get, like she said, don't make room for it, 
It doesn't belong. Verse 4, we keep on going. It says, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse joking. These things are not for you. But it doesn't just say like, hey, don't. And I love this about God. That he's not just like a, hey, don't. He's like, no, there's a better. And he's like, so let me just tell you. Instead, be thankful. Be, let there be thankfulness to God. Let there be thankfulness. Now, I want to tell you what the absolute enemy of thankfulness is. If you want to kill any sort of thankfulness, all you have to do is compare. And we, our world is a compare world. Yeah. Like, like, like that's just it. Like we just, we just compare. You get on social media, you open up your phone, you, the news, it's, it's comparing. It's, well, they did this and, and this person just bought this and they just got this and, and they just married and their kids did this and this happened over here and, and their business is doing this and, and then they did this and they were able to do that and it, it's comparing. But here's what happens when we compare. One of two things happen. Either one, it's pride. Well, I'm better than them. What I did is better and pride can come in. And the next one is, well, I'm not enough. This isn't enough. Comparison kills thankfulness. One of the most thankful people I know is standing next to me. <laughs> and it's one of those things, like when I was young, and you'd ask me what I was looking for in a wife, I never said somebody who's thankful. I wasn't like, well, I want somebody who's like likes outdoors, and I want somebody who will, will, will either hunt or hunt with me, or um, just let me go hunting, or... He had to add that one because I don't <laughs> hunt anymore. <laughs> but you will again? Maybe. Yeah, she said maybe. You all heard it. I knew I could get her. Anyways, anyways. Never did I say thankful, but yet... Looking now, I would say one of the things I would tell any and everybody to look for is somebody who's thankful. Because here's what thankfulness is. Thankfulness is you can appreciate what you have where you are, no matter what it is. Thankful is that contentment of God. I'm not striving after anything else in this world, so God... I'm open to using you. I don't have my list of God can use me when I have this. God can, God can use me and I'll host a small group when my house is cleaner, when my house is bigger, when I can fit more people in the driveway, when I can da 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 You can just keep going. Thankful is I just love what I have, so I'm just going to use what I have right now and this is great. And I use that voice because that's kind of like my voice for her and that is her. She's like, this is just wonderful. Is it, she's like, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just great. When, uh, we're, years ago, kids were little. We're, we're cruising down the road in the car, and Avery, I passed some gum, gum in the back, and Avery was little, and the kids started chewing some gum, and you, know, you split it up, and they each get a little bit of it. Well, I look in the back, and Avery's taking the gum out of her mouth, like stretching it, like little kids do. They can't keep it in the mouth. That's what you chew it for. So and like you clean the car and you're picking the gum out of it. You know what I'm talking about. And so I'm like, Avery, you can't do that. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So she puts it back in her mouth. Well, a little bit later, she does it again. And I'm like, you're done, okay? Like, you lost it. And she's like, what? I'm like, throw the gum out the window. 
And so I think I like opened up the window and like throw it out. And so Avery goes like this. She goes, okay, I was done with it anyways. And like puts it out. And I'm like, he just turns to me and says, you deserve that. You deserve that. <laughs> because that is her. And that is her position. Her posi- Becca's position, I do mean this. She's like, oh, this is great. This is, this is great. Like she buys a couch. The couch is great. She loves it. She's like, this is wonderful. But then the couch breaks and she's like, oh, I wanted to put a new cover on it and it just tore. So now I get to do that. I wanted to learn how to sew. So now I get to sew. So she's out there sewing the thing and figuring it out. And, and she's like, oh, this is just great. And it's just, oh, it's raining. I love that it rains and it snows. She's like, oh, it's turning to snow and everything's going to die, but it's so pretty. And I mean, she just, she, she's thankful. But man, I look, and she was just, wherever we were, whatever we were doing, we were thankful. But one of the things I realized that thankfulness does is it puts us in a position to be used by God. To instead of be chasing after this or that, and please, please don't, don't hear that you can't be excited about a promotion that you're getting or, or building your company and, and selling something off. Like, oh, we're going to get to this. Be excited about that. But choose to be thankful right where you are that, I don't, that you don't need that in order to feel valued. You don't need that so that somebody else knows what you have or what you don't or, or to impress somebody at a stop sign that you'll never see again, whatever it is. You're like, I don't, you don't need it. You are content where you are. Verse 5 says this, as we continue, says, so we're going to be thankful, we're not going to compare, we're going to choose to be content right where we are. Verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral person, no greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So do not be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. We can do that, can't we? Like, I think 99% of the time, we draw a box, put everybody else in it, and then we're on the outside and we're like, yeah, but I'm the exception to the rule. Like, like it, it, it's just the way it is. You know, I'd like to honor God by marrying this woman that I'm living with. But really, finan- I mean, for everybody else, that makes sense. But financially, in our situation, you don't understand. I'm outside of that box. It's like, no, don't make excuses for it. And we- uh, yeah, he, he didn't know when I was going to interrupt and when, when I wasn't. So a few years ago, actually, it was quite a few years ago, we were invited over to somebody's house for lasagna. And it was for Samuel's birthday, and lasagna is his favorite meal. He's like, all the meat, all the cheese, loaded up lasagna. And so we went over to somebody's house for lasagna, and we got there, and uh, we were told, we're like, oh, hey, um, by the way, with the lasagna, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any meat. And so I just substituted beans. And so Samuel's like, okay, okay, cool. I can do that. Like lasagna with beans instead of meat. And, and then we were talking a little bit and, and dinner was continuing to be prepared. And then they're like, oh, you know what? Um, we're, we're dairy free. And so we're doing cashew cheese, um, not real cheese. And so Samuel's like, okay, beans and cashew cheese. Got it. Okay. I'm, I'm holding on to this other stuff. And then they're like, you know, and we thought that we had a lot of tomatoes in the garden, and we didn't. So um, it, it's going to be pesto. 
And we're like, cool, okay. Uh, pesto, beans, and cashew cheese. We, we got this. We're going to hang out to that pasta. And then the kicker. Uh, we're doing eggplant for the pasta. And I look at that, and poor Samuel <laughs> is... It was so gross. Poor, it was so gross. Poor Samuel's so disappointed, right? Because what was sold to him was lasagna, and what was given was something completely different. And I think sometimes when we look at the Word of God, what we can do is we can say, okay, that, that's great, but I'm going to just substitute out this one thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to substitute this because it's a little bit more appealing to me. Or I ignore the ingredients that are meant to be put in it. And I still want the outcome yeah. to be the same. I still yeah. want God to be pleased with this lasagna that I give him when I've substituted everything he's asked me to do and be out. And then we look at our lives and we wonder why they don't produce what God's word said would be produced in our life. Because we've substituted everything. That was my mom. And yes, she does that. She just substitutes all the all kinds. I tried of so stuff. hard not to no, throw her under no, the bus. No, you just gotta know. You gotta. Know. She knows. She substitutes. She's the sweetest woman alive. But she substitutes. If she invites you over, you need to ask. Is there anything in this before I eat this that I should know is in this? You do need to ask that. I'll, I'll confess one of her sins. I consider it a sin. So one time we made. We, we had... Um, pancakes. Pan yeah, she knows what it is. She had pancakes. We had pancakes. And, and a lot of babies in the house. After, after we all ate the pancakes, this was years ago, we found out that she had run short on milk. Did you guys like the pancakes? Yeah, they were delicious. She used some of the bagged up, saved up breast milk from, I think, my sister? I'm Let's not just even go with that. pancakes. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I'm so serious. So, like, she substitutes everything all the time. You never know. You just never, ever know. Some of you are never going to look at me or my mom the same. <laughs> but when you substitute, do not expect that the end will be the same. Honor God with your life. We're meant to, to imitate fully, imitate fully all of this. So it says here, you know, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. And again, you have to remember that this letter is to the Ephesians. And so the Ephesians are not immersed in Jewish culture. They're not living in a place where everybody already adheres to the law of God. They're in Ephesus. And Ephesus was this pagan epicenter. And so when it says, you know, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, it was everybody outside the church. And remember when we were in uh, Ephesians 4, it said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until, everybody say until. Until. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and acknowledge the God acknowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. And so I look at that and I'm just like, you know what? They had, they lived in a culture that 
tried to excuse every sin. And so what Paul reminded them is he said, but hey, you have the church, so don't be fooled by that. But instead, you have the law of God, you have the person of Jesus, and then you have the church that will help remind you until we all come to unity. So that is another reason why the church body is so important because we live in a time more like that of Ephesus than that of Jerusalem. Come on. So we're, we're in five verses into Ephesians chapter 5, and three times he's already said this. He said, don't be, and there should not be among you, and do not allow in any greed. Now, when I say greed, I think most of us immediately think of large amounts of money. Uh, years ago, I was working, working in a project and working on this house. Um, just millions and millions and millions of dollars are being spent on this house. And the owner kind of comes through and, and uh, goes back out. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a bathroom, uh, a guest, guest bathroom downstairs. Like Anyway, just this big old bathroom. I'm in there working. And one of the other guys that's working with me goes, uh, after the owner leaves, he looks over at me and he goes, I don't think you can have that much money and not be greedy. And I looked over at him and I was like, the greediest people I know don't have money. Like, greed is not a, a wealthy person, whatever you would consider wealthy, person problem. Greed is a heart problem that anyone can have at any income level or, or no income. Greed is a position of the heart where we worship and we go after things. That's what greed is. Greed is us trying. Proverbs 28 says this, Proverbs 28 verse 22, greedy people try to get rich quick. It says greed is something that people try to get. It's a position of our heart where what we go after, what we idolize. And when I say idolize, here's what I mean. What I don't mean is that you probably have something set up in your house that you kind of bow down every time you go buy it. Oh, if you're doing that, that counts. <laughs> but chances are that's not what you're doing. Chances are the thing that's a whole lot easier to do than that is not to bow down and worship it, but instead to look, to take a look at what that bank account, look at that statement, see what it is, and then to say, okay, now that I know where our finances are, I know I can sleep well or I can't. We look to our finances as our source of security. We look to them to provide our peace. We look to our finances and say, this dictates what I'm able to do and what I, where I'm able to go, not God's calling, direction, or word. And we literally lay down some of our dreams at the altar of what's in our bank account instead of pursuing God and seeing Him as our source. We see our value based on what somebody is currently willing to pay us, give us, or says about us. Instead of looking to God, 
I love that we sang that song this morning, and through it all, through it all, our eyes are not on things in this world. Through it all, our eyes are on you, God. And then we sang, it is well with my soul. Through every single thing that we walk through, our eyes are meant to be on our Heavenly Father who loves us so completely. The more you have, the more, I would almost put it this way, almost, I'm going to, I am putting it this way. The more you have, the more what you have wants to have you. What we have literally has a gravitational pull on your heart. It has a gravitational pull on your heart. Luke 12, 15 says this. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. We have something, it has a pull on our life. Here's what I mean. You buy a car, it's new, it's new to you. What do you do? You take care of it. It suddenly takes more time. It takes more time because you're washing it, you're taking a little bit extra care of it. You buy a boat. And what do we say? Well, I spent the money, we better use it. And we use money, the thing that we chose to spend, we now use to dictate where we're gonna invest our time because we spent some money. I've been catching myself even in that where I'm like, well, if I bought it, or I spent the money, shouldn't I use it? And I'm like, well, if it was a bad decision, don't double down on bad. Just be like, it was bad. Count the loss and, and cut it off. We buy the cottage, and so then we're like, well, I've got to use it. We upgrade, we build the house, we put on the addition, and now we're like, no, I've got to take care of it. And stuff can be good, but here's what I'm pointing out. You can use things. Please understand me. I'm not against you owning whatever. I'm against it owning you. I'm against the result of you having it is you're absorbed by it and into it. I want you to resist that gravitational pull towards things. And instead, seek God and use what he's given you. If he's given you much, then use much. Use it all. If he's given you a little, use the little you've got. We see this, this, this gravitational pull. It's so strong. I looked up some, some giving. I say I looked up. Trina looked up some giving stats for me this week. I was like, I've heard it said over and over. I said, but can you find some stats for me? She's like, yep. So this is the world. This isn't in the church. You guys are incredibly generous. But in the world, this is, this is just kind of giving as a whole inside the United States. It says, those that make under $20,000 a year give an annual average of over 4% of their income. And then from there, do we have the chart? And then from there, it just goes down. 
And the more money you make, the chart just goes down and down and down and down. And, and it just keeps going down and doesn't rise up above it again until somebody makes more than 10 million a year. Then that percent finally bumps up higher than that person that made 20,000 a year because there's a gravitational pull in what we have. It has that pull on us. He's like, be on your guard against greed because it pulls you in and what it leaves you with is this, unfruitful. It, le it pulls you away from a fruitful life. And here's what I mean by a fruitful life. It's a life that's pleasing to God where what you're doing is seeking God with what you have and using it to make a difference in this world. And that is what he wants for you. He wants you to have a vision to impact the kingdom of God, to take people with you, to change the way that people look at business, to reach out to the people that you're working with, to change your neighborhood and your school, and to use what God's given you. Resist that gravitational pull. Use what God's given you. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. So understand this, stuff is not bad, having money is not bad. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You have stuff, don't let stuff have you. You have money, don't let money have you. Greed is not a dollar amount, it's a position of your heart. My prayer is that you would just decide today that God, everything I have is for you. Use it. Use my property, use my car, use my bank account. God, I give you my retirement accounts if you want. God, it's all yours. You're my security. I look to you and not anything else. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here today, I want to ask, do you know where you stand with God? Because I just said it, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not here in this room you're not here on this planet by accident. God's word says that he stitched you together in your mother's womb. You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you weren't to God. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He wants to speak meaning. He wants to speak identity. He wants to speak purpose into your life. And if that's you and you say, today I want to give my life to him. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, Today's the day I want to come back because I've been doing my own thing, but today I want to be his. That's you. I want, to, I want to pray for you. But here's what I'd like just to do. I'd like to write now just everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. And today I make you my king. From now on, I'm going to serve you. With all that I am, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you said, that's me, and today I'm committing my life back, 
or today I'm making him my Lord. I'd love to connect with you. If that's you, then I want you to be super bold. And at the count of three, I want you to shoot up your hand. One, two, three. Right now, shoot up and say, that's me. Today's the day. I made that decision. I'm coming back. Awesome. You're online and you made that decision. You click that button at the bottom of the screen. We'd love to connect with you and help you on your next steps. My prayer is for every single one of you that you would see the plan, the purpose that God has for you, that you would recognize there's some stuff that's in the way, that you'd step away from it and step into all that God has for you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.